Hello, and welcome to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast, where we discuss business, real estate, lifestyle, and travel. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage, 16 years in the industry, experience in multiple full-scale renovations, high-end luxury property management, customer service relations, new construction, previous director of 55 West Campfield Lofts, 2016 certified apartment manager, and Airbnb super host. I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights in Detroit from not just one, but as many professionals that I could find. Today's guest is Marcus Twyman with Opulent Realty. We'll let Marcus tell us a little bit more about himself. Hi, Marcus. How are you? I'm good. Good afternoon, Eric. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hope all is well with you and you're enjoying the holiday. Yeah, yeah, it's going okay, you know. Got a little COVID in here, so just all right. Well, you keep that on your side of the screen. That's why we're doing these zooms now. Huh? Thank God for Zoom, because right, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, I'm gonna jump right into it. My name is Marcus Twyman. I'm with Opulent Realty Team. I am the broker owner. Uh, we specialize in real estate sales as well as well as property management. Uh, we have three offices located here in Metro Detroit, Redford, Michigan, New Center, Detroit. And on the east side of Detroit in East English Village, we are soon opening up in 2022, our Atlanta office in Sandy Springs, Georgia. So we are expanding pretty soon. So just a sneak peek, I'm going to try to get also into Florida as well, specifically the Orlando, Tampa area and the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. So we are um, full service when it comes to property management. Full service usually entails we'll collect the rent, we'll take them to court, we'll do whatever it is that you need us to get done, or we do offer a la carte services. Some owners um, just want us to collect the rent for them or just be um, a service advisor for them. So whatever services you need, we can always customize them. Awesome. Awesome. And how long have you been in the industry? I've been in the industry for about 16 years as well. Um, Started off in banking finance, worked in multiple banks here in the metro Detroit area, Moved over into mortgages, mortgages crashed, came over to the realtor side, I was jumping through windows, selling $5,000 houses <laughs> like candy. It was the best thing then because the bank paid us our commission so I could get paid up to $2,000 on a $5,000 house. Um, that's another discussion that we can that's have. That's not bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, moved from the realtor side to the broker side of real estate. Um, it was actually a dare. I did not have uh, any plans to become a broker. It was uh, during a time where one of my close friends, uh, he wanted to be a real estate broker so bad. And he was just like, well, you should do it too. I said, well, why would I do it? I, I love being a realtor, do my job, go home and be done. Um, so he said, you know what? I dare you to do it. Had some downtime, went ahead, took the class, passed the test and held on to an associate broker's license with my previous broker years ago, mm. for several years. Um, until I decided to actually branch it on my own. So, but I, I actually enjoy it. It is, I'm glad that I got it and I do look forward to other designations soon as well. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. So tell me a little bit about the last year during the pandemic. What have, what have you been doing? Has it kind of changed your niche or has it changed how you've had to address or approach the real estate industry? Tell us a little bit more about your experience over the last 12 months. Well, the real estate industry is an always changing environment. Um, I've seen the change go up, go down and everything else. But in the last year, yes, um, I started off in this industry as a buyer's agent. I love working with first time home buyers. I still do. But now I've gotten into the role more of property management. Gotcha. Um, again, it kind of fell in my lap clients. I was selling homes to investors specifically. I was selling homes to were having a a hard time finding people who they could trust in order to manage the properties while they're away. Mm. Um, in the last year, property management has definitely increased because the lack of movement due to COVID. Most owners could have hopped on a plane and got here soon or mm. done a lot of different things differently as far as being hands-on, but mm. due to their schedules, lack of finance and et cetera, I mean, they were not able to make it. So property management has definitely been one of the biggest things that has been needed uh, and sought after. So property management the last year has definitely been uh, my new niche in this market. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. So overall, let's see here. 
what would you say you find to be the most difficult part about, we're gonna break this probably into two questions, property management in Detroit. What do you find to be the most difficult part of property management specifically in Detroit? The most difficult, you would think I would say the tenants is not the tenants. Mm -hmm. um, it's somewhat of some of the owners that you run across. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are still in the same mindset that Detroit is this downtrodden, trashed out market, mm -hmm. okay? Um, at one point it was, but it is no longer that. Um, and with me, I work closely with the city of Detroit um, and other agencies within the city of Detroit that have to provide adequate housing. So the answer to that question is working with some of the owners because they still have the mentality that, well, I'm just going to make it livable, okay? Mm -hmm. But the term livable is subjective. Um, so at the end of the day, I have to make sure that I set standards mm. and set requirements for these owners. And that's mm. kind of been the difficult part. Um, on top of some people consider property management to be almost like a piggy bank for them. Um, this is a five to seven year plan. Mm. Um, you do have a, an asset, but it is also one that you have to maintain. So yes, you will receive owner draws and make and payments for the monies that's there, but you also have to do repairs and I mean, pay your property manager. So at the end of the day, like I said, the owners are the ones I have the most communication with because I'm like, hey, I'm not a piggy bank and we're not gonna release all of this money. And now you have repairs that are required to get done for a property. So mm -hmm. again, working with the owners. And I mean, I understand everybody's in a financial pinch. They probably bought either during the pandemic or before the pandemic. And now they are really relying on these funds to come through. But mm -hmm. also you have a responsibility as an owner to make sure that you are providing safe and adequate housing. Um, and also the difficult part with the owners is explaining to them this process as far as when it comes to still providing adequate and habitable housing and safe housing for mm. tenants who are severely delinquent. Mm. Exactly. Because um, again, I mean, they're like, well, where am I supposed to get the money from if they are not paying? Mm. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a responsibility. everybody looks at the investor <laughs> and they say, you're the investor, you got to figure it out. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that definitely is a hard part is sometimes, and I kind of discussed this in one of the previous episodes is sometimes you might get scammed or you might not get paid or whatever it may be. And sometimes you kind of get left holding the bag, but you're still yeah. responsible for the property as far as the city's concerned, as far as the tenant's concerned, as far as the law is concerned. Right. And that's something to know and be very careful about. You know, sometimes people are going for the price point or going for particular items that tends to kind of leave you in a... Um, I don't know, a place where you can be vulnerable to certain uh, right. certain threats, we'll call it that. So, you know, and just kind of backtrack a little bit. Sure. I'm a broker owner, also an investor myself, mm. um, educator. My biggest role is education, um, real estate education. Absolutely. Um, my team and I, we go out on the road and we talk to investors and educate investors on how to invest in the city of Detroit. Hmm. basically we're myth busters I, hmm. I call us myth busters hmm. um, and I say this because we have to correct all the incorrect information that people have received hmm. off of various platforms hmm. okay um, a lot of times we always say we kind of might even talk people out of investing completely because Sometimes. they feel like it's not for them but I would rather for people to have the information the correct information than not have it Exactly. Because in this industry, going back to the owners and why it can also be so difficult is that we as property managers may not be the person that sold them the actual property. Yeah. So now we have to clean up and correct someone else's, um, I'm not going to say mistake, but lack there of telling them the yes, truth. Yes, okay? just kind of doing so that. So they told them a story in order to get them to to buy this house so that they could have a sale exactly that's all they were looking for was a sale exactly so once i get in and i actually piece together information that they give me i found out it's more to the story when it comes to tenants tenant ledgers payments um occupancy etc so i now have to turn around and become that i guess moment of truth or bad guy and tell them hey this is not what it appears to be mm -hmm. um so with that being said, as an educator, we go out, I go out, 
and I tell people exactly what it is they need to know when it comes to city certification, repairs, um, lead clearances, everything, yes. um, before they even put a dime into the property. Before we even make an offer, we're, we're looking at this property to see how long the actual turnaround time will be and what the actual cost will be to cure this property. Right. Um, if it's vacant or if it's currently tenant occupied, and most of these owners don't know, you have to have a, it's required to have a lead inspection completed for your rental property. Mm -hmm. And it can be very costly, especially if it's an older home that has not been paid in several years. Which most of um, them are. <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, if there's tenant occupied, you have to put these people in temporary housing while it's getting done. So not only do you have to pay to have a lead abatement completed, well, first, let's say the inspection completed, then the abatement completed, then also relocate a family that lives in the home that you own. That's a, quite a bit of money. It's a lot of costs. It Especially is sometimes the margins and the parameters just are not there for Absolutely. you, you know, or they're this thin and now you've got all these other things that you have to do and you're in, you slide backwards. It's very Absolutely. easy to do. And so, so sometimes you, you I mean, I, I definitely feel like I help people to avoid that. Mm -hmm. There are properties out here that um, fit the criteria. Now, the issue that I'm also finding is that those properties are at retail price because the work has been done for you. And most were like, no, I want to buy it and do it over time. You're going to spend the money. You're going to spend the money either way, either now or later. And the longer you Honestly, wait, if you, more. It, if you just pay the price now, you'll yes. see the reward yes. sooner. Yes. Totally agree see with the that. reward sooner. So again, you're buying this property for $30,000. It's going to need about another 30. You may mm -hmm. go ahead and find something for 72, 75. Mm -hmm. The work has already been completed. Time to start making money. Right. Correct. Start making money. Exactly. Start making money. Exactly. And that's that's like a really big thing. And I, I think the education is a big part because you and I were both Detroiters. I've known you actually for a really long time. And part of this is what I call my community service, this podcast and just putting the word out there and the information. I haven't really found a lot like that where people can just kind of come and listen to people who know what they're talking about in their niche, not like oh, all these different people giving you general facts of information. And oftentimes it's really just starting with the information, being honest, and letting some people know this is not for you. You know, at the end of the day, you're, you're right. If you're looking at a particular price point in the city, you're getting exactly what you pay for. If it's a low price, it's probably because of location. It's probably right. because there's going to be theft that you have to deal with while you're trying to renovate the property. You put the new hot water tank in, all these different things, or even if you want to flip it, there are little issues that you may have in the meantime. So getting with a realtor who knows the area, who can kind of guide you on, you know, better areas no one can give you a very you know a guarantee but right. education is everything and there are a lot of people who want to come to Detroit and slum landlord it right and just kind of like buy something and you know the people used to be able to do that pretty well back in the day but it's not really yeah. flying so much anymore no. and now you're you know kind of just losing money and just disgruntled the whole time and so I was just saying in the past that I'm a selective property manager. I don't really enjoy property management overall, simply because um, it can just kind of get weird and touchy. And then something that you're dealing with every day, especially when a problem comes that you're trying to mitigate, but the person is in the property, right? Like when right. you defer maintenance and do all this different stuff and the house starts falling apart or a leak is going on or something that you can't just stop immediately, it creates all types of other problems. Finding short-term housing, finding housing for That's your people to go into was also a problem. Like COVID has affected everything. And so maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, you could have spent $30,000 for a house, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe put 30 into it. But that 30 that you're going to put into it now, just because of COVID, because of contractors, because of shortages and the fact that they just can up the price, you're going to pay maybe closer to 50, 60. It's almost double, it seems at times or whatever. And so like, just get it right the first time, get someone in who you trust and then rent the property to them rather than, oh, you know, I'm gonna cut corners and like, no. Right. How many times is your right. house gonna be broken into and that mean in the short time costing you money and time and boarding it up or, you know, whatever it may be, it's just, don't do it. Personally, right. don't do it. But, um, okay, awesome. Moving on, moving on. So what about the other areas that you manage? What other areas do you manage in the city or rather in the state? Well, in particularly, I try to stay in the metro Detroit area, mm, um, not all the way north Traverse City and everything else. Yeah. Uh, we do have a couple in Saginaw, but literally it's, it's a couple of properties. So and they're pretty hands off. So we may only go up 
twice a month if we need to. Awesome. Um, but long story short, it's mostly Metro Detroit and we are very selective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say we, because I discussed this with my team and myself, we're very selective about what properties we take on. Um, we're very selective about what owners we take on. Um, the name of my company is Opulent, which means wealth. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build wealth. And at the end of the day, I enjoy what I do. I've always enjoyed what I've done and I will not allow anyone to take that joy away from me. So if you want to be an argumentative, um, disgruntled owner, I'm more than happy to dismiss you. It just, in my contract is that I can give you a 30 day notice or you give me one. And even if you give me one, I don't have an issue with it because I understand that you have to build a relationship that is right for you. Exactly. It's all about relationships. Um, so mostly we're doing the Metro Detroit area, um, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County. Mm-hmm. I'm not usually going any farther than that. And of those areas, do you find one to be a little bit easier to deal with or um, I guess kind of get Actually, set up? believe it or not, the city is easier to deal with. I believe that. <laughs> it's probably less um, restrictions in some ways. I mean, I'm not going to say less restrictions. I'm just going to say they understand that we're in a pandemic, number one. And number two, they are we're all they're all working together so that we can achieve the goal of having safe and habitable housing Mm. they don't want to deal with the issues that are in court Mm. and or people getting hurt or children especially uh getting lead poisoning and getting hurt in unsafe properties so they work with you i think a lot of people also had a bad connotation of the city of detroit thinking they were out to get you Mm. and that they were not going to work with you that's not true I mean, I, I have great relationships with the inspectors mm-hmm. that go out and they let us know what we can do or what we need to do in order for mm-hmm. this to pass. Exactly. Um, so, but some of the others in other counties are not so helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, we, we're constantly bumping heads and we're, it's just, it's just not. A it's different. Problem. It's a very different experience. It is. I mean, places. I think it, it kind of feels like something where they, don't want to have rental properties and tenants Mm -hmm. so they try to make it harder for owners and property managers and others Mm -hmm. to rent the property Mm -hmm. um, and have some outrageous requirements when it comes to the safety and habitability of a property that don't really resonate when I say that it's for example I mean it's a crown molding on a garage for a house that we um not even say crown molding it was a piece of molding literally Fascia. like a Fascia. what no it was just a piece like just right on the side of the garage and you yeah, failed yeah. an inspection for that it had to be like a two dollar piece it's touchy wood so it was just like that's not anything safety or ha- hazardous mm. or mm. that's just something cosmetic you wanted to look a certain way and it's not your home so uh, what difference does it make to you but long story short is yeah the city is a whole lot easier I agree. than a lot of suburban areas. Um, also, what I find in suburban areas is that these houses were poorly constructed. Mm. Um, yes, that a is lot so of people don't realize true. that Detroit has the most brick homes and was original in this area. So mm. at the end of the day, um, the structure of them are a little bit more. And when people start to in the past years, leave the city, they built um, in these suburban areas that are stick built. Exactly. Um, And with stick built is all wood. Um, They did not insulate sometimes. A lot of them did not need actual construction permits. I mean, these were Mm -hmm. people who left and they literally built these houses with their bare hands, you know, Mm -hmm. so they might have turned into a shack and then they were able to refinance it in in the 80s, 90s and etc. And add on to it but long story short i find a lot of them have mold and mildew issues yep a yep. lot of mold there's a lot of drywall and it doesn't take much and it didn't they did not use the correct materials at that time so it was just regular drywall and as soon as drywall gets wet and you don't oh. cure the spoon it molds especially so, not green board i mean uh, it's not green board especially correct and most of it most of it is not green of course board. not yeah yeah so bathrooms kitchens basements hmm. Sometimes a house in general, if it has a leak, may have a lot of mold, mm-hmm. a lot of mold issues. So that's yes. what I find in suburban areas. Yes. And so if you're an investor, we definitely highly, highly recommend an inspection prior. You do not oh. want to get 
caught up with that later thinking you're about to jump into some money no inspections every time every time so absolutely absolutely so <clears throat> all right so considering the pandemic and how everything has changed you seem to kind of have taken a little bit of a let's say a step left to mobile homes oh yes so I've always been into a lot of things, um, yes, also true. but I know, <laughs> you know that often. I do. But yes, do. in this pandemic, I was introduced to mobile homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow a, a group on Instagram called Mobile Home Elite and Mobile Home Elite. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about, hey, you can invest in mobile homes for no money down, low money down. And you're like, okay, anytime I hear no money down, I'm like, Ugh. okay. <laughs> You really don't need no money. Now. Like everything takes money. Absolutely. But long story short is it started there. Um, my team and I um, built a relationship with them. Um, specifically, part, people on my team already have relationships with them. And they're, um, they created an ebook. Mm-hmm. But from there, you know, the relationships build. We all in the same kind of real estate market. Mm-hmm. Midwest. I learned that it was a low cost to get into. Um, I had a mentor friend who was like, hey, I have a mobile home and we planned on living in it, but we actually bought another one. Do you want ours? And I'm just like, sure, I want to go see it. I'm like, sure, why not? How much do you want for it? Right. At the time when I bought it it was probably like two years ago. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, hey, give us $1,500 for it. I'm like, it must be a piece of crap. You know what I'm saying? Like $1,500, are you serious? So anyway, I'm like, yeah, I went ahead and took it for the $1,500. Um, mine specifically is in Macomb, Michigan, which is a very affluent area. Um, and as I kept mine and studied with Mobile Home Elite and my team, I learned that they're very desirable um, as far as home ownership. So for instance, there are some people that are that come into money. Mm-hmm. It may not be a lot to afford to buy a single family home in mm-hmm. Metro Detroit, um, but it's enough for them to create and own a space of their own. Mm-hmm. So my prime example, I bought it for $1,500. I own that mobile home. Awesome. Free and clear. Awesome. It is a, a space that is habitable. Mm-hmm. Cosmetically, is it ugly? Absolutely. To me. But I mean, for someone else, it may be. Yeah, and it's a roof over your head. Like bread. Exactly. But for $1,500, I own something. Exactly. People pay that I can in rent. Take that mobile home, wherever, whatever park I want to put it in. Mm. The only thing that I'm responsible for is paying the lot rent, which is the land that it sits on. Okay. And that price varies depending upon what mobile home park you're in. Gotcha. Could you give us maybe like a, um, it doesn't really matter, like a range on what a person might be looking at as far as lot, lot rental fees? Well, it depends on what county okay. and what city. Okay. So I'll put it to you like this. It can range maybe from maybe $350 a month all the way up to $900 a month. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, specifically, mine in Macomb is about $500 a month. Okay. Um, but the value of the mobile homes that are in that park now Mm-hmm. All right, sixty plus thousand dollars. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just in a two-year span. Mm-hmm. So, if I want to take that fifteen hundred dollar mobile home that I purchased and take it somewhere else because the lot rent is too much for it, I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I want to buy a new mobile home and sell them my old one, I can. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it has it gives you. It's kind of like you're building a home without actually building one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fifteen hundred dollars. Let's say they gave me five grand for my current one to put down towards one that's maybe thirty thousand dollars. Now I have one that I bought for thirty that sits mm-hmm. on land and lot rent mm-hmm. that can give me a value of almost sixty grand. Mm-hmm. Now, nice. when I say about cash in, cash out, or easy, or easy, or even when I say no money down, there's people who have who who unfortunately in the pandemic lost their mobile homes mm-hmm. um, or just sold them at a low, low price because they could not afford the lot rent. Yeah. So it is a possibility you could have taken over somebody else's payments for it. I mean, I still don't consider it no money down because eventually you have to pay, <laughs> but you, you got the mobile home for free, but you had to pay the lot rent. 
Right. Or you have to pay them a fee to move out or something like that. But it's a it's a very untouched market. And I think it's also because of the stigma mm. that's behind it through mm. everything. We grow up thinking mobile homes are, you know, not so great. You know, the jokes are you live in a mobile home park. Yeah. Yeah, um, trailer park or whatever. Yeah, trailer park. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, these people own their homes. They're homeowners. Yeah. yeah. Homeowners. And that's something that we also have to start talking about is, you know, at the end of the day, renting is cool. And I don't really, I'm not going to say anything negative about it, but, oh. you know, owning something, or at least, especially if you actually own it, you paid it off, it's yours. Oh, is, right such a benefit you know and you can kind of choose and do a long-term plan and not figure out how to save your money and build a life around that that propels you for where sometimes renting I don't really feel does the same thing you might get a nice aesthetic or a nice apartment a nice environment or it might work for you yeah but oftentimes especially as rents continue to grow up go yeah, up and things like that it kind of sometimes stifles your ability to get into a good position house prices are still going up so you kind of end up in the middle and I guess sometimes for some people you can make a lateral move or whatever but I I love the idea of owning something anything you know so a mobile park and especially for a lot of us millennials yes because we're poor I don't know guys know or not but uh for a lot of us millennials it gives you another option the market was so competitive last year and I had so many agents and brokers and myself that I would you know talk to and they're just like, we can't find anything that's affordable or people coming from California, New York, where they're DC, where they're used to things being incredibly expensive. Oh, they're buying things at, you know, $50,000 more than, you know, what they're even asking. And everybody's locally, especially us who are just getting into the market, trying to get out of our parents' house or whatever it may be, can't even compete. So I can see it, you know, I saw so on Instagram. That's, that's where mobile homes come in because now you can. Exactly. I mean, so for instance, if you're doing a conventional mortgage at a hundred thousand dollars and with five percent down, that's five grand. Mm-hmm. If you have five grand, you could buy a, a, a decent mobile home for five thousand dollars in the Metro Detroit area. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that you'll own something, which you'll well, I'm sorry, you'll own your home and then you'll just pay your lot rent. Mm-hmm. Now that'll give you the independence that you need and the leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, you can sell that mobile home. If you want an, another mobile home that's better than the one you bought for five grand, you can sell it mm-hmm. Put down on a, on a more updated new mobile home. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just so many different things that you can do to put yourself in the market. Right. If, right say for right. instance, you just say, I'm going to wait two years for maybe to come down or for it to stabilize, mm-hmm. but you have your own place. It's not an apartment to figure it out, you know, to figure it out mm-hmm. again. I have nothing against renting. I tell some people it depends on your lifestyle mm-hmm. for the past six years. I've been in license in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I have not bought not one property there of my own. Mm-hmm. I've rented apartments mm-hmm. because again, it did not make sense Exactly for me. To, I didn't stay enough or long enough for me to actually own a property. So I rented an apartment. First of all, I wanted to live in different areas to, to, the state mm. of Georgia is huge. Mm. I wanted to experience the different areas. The only way for me to do that was to be in a lease. Mm. And I'm yeah. glad that I was in a lease because look what happened. In the- <laughs> Flexibility, right? You, I mean, yeah. the pandemic happened in March of 2020 and right. my lease had just ended in March of 2020. Exactly. exactly. So at the end of the day, what I'm saying is it depends upon your lifestyle and yes. what's best for you. But if you want to be a homeowner um, and you want to have something of your own, mobile homes are, 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 is a way that something that you can look into. Exactly. That's one of many options that you can look into Hmm. instead of having a regular brick and mortar, um, single family home. Exactly. Yep. I totally agree with that. I, um, I used to tell a lot of my clients who had rented for a long time and things of that nature, you know, it really is. It's up to you as far as what you want to do. Hold on. Oh, no, my camera. All right. It's up to you as far as what you want to do, but leases tend to offer a flexibility that, you know, moving out of a house or selling a house or whatever it may be does not offer to you. And so for a lot of my traveling nurses or people who are in the military or my engineers or people who are there on a short-term work visa or whatever it may be, it was great for them to have a lease. Nobody wanted to buy a house, you know, right. so that was definitely something. And then, oh, go ahead. I'm just saying, going back to just what you just said, I mean, 
Now you have an investment property. Mm. I mean, you can lease your your space. You can Airbnb a mobile home, depending upon. Sure. You can. Well, I'm not even say depending. I'm gonna take that word out. I'm gonna say you can you can Airbnb a mobile home. Mm. A mobile home park has two pools, a fitness center, four playgrounds. I mean, it is beautiful out there. Yeah. And it's close to Suffrage Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if I chose to Airbnb it right now, we kind of use it as our getaway spot, you know, mm-hmm. to get out the city. We live in I the city. You. So we want to go out and we want to do something different. We go out mm-hmm. there. Yes. And like the beauty of is what I saw a lot of people doing during the pandemic, a lot of younger people um, and they were more so with RVs and rebuilding these RVs and just taking them on the road and seeing, yep. you know, the state side and everything like that. So mobile homes are not normally on wheels or they're never on home. They're never on wheels. They're always just kind of placed no, down or. Well, they're affixed to the land. Okay. So um, your utilities are connected. Your gas is connected. Your lights are connected to the actual mobile home. Okay. It is not affixed where it has a basement or a slab. Gotcha. It still sits on a platform, but the wheels are off and a skirt is placed around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you need to move it, you would have to hire a company that has a truck that'll slide the trailer up under it, pick it up, and take it, you know, take it out of there. Of course, you have to have all the utilities disconnected prior to doing that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, yes, it's it's pretty much a fixed. It's it's a fixed to the land. Gotcha. So then that brings me to shipping containers. Do you you know? I know we talked a little bit about it. I know it's kind of something that's still new to you, but it's still kind of a growing trend. And one of my next things would be like three D printing. But shipping containers seems to be like a predecessor to that. What are your thoughts it, on shipping containers? It, first of all, I had the opportunity to visit Container Home USA out in Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. Um, only black owned container home company, and I want to say the world. They've okay. won numerous awards for building um, one of several of the best container homes they've done all across the country. Hmm. So shout out to them. And I'll have more information later on about that. Yeah, um, we'll love to post it, their links and stuff like short, that. Is container homes were definitely blew my mind. Hmm. When I think of containers, of course, it's a shipping container. I'm thinking of some steel hollow thing <laughs> that's just like, okay. I see it on the back of a truck, on the back of a train, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what are you supposed to do with that? Listen, they're like Legos. They are. Whatever them, you want. <laughs> cut them and put them however you desire. Yeah. You desire. yeah. Um, it's affordable also. So mm-hmm. for instance, Container Home USA has a um, like a studio container home that's about $40,000. Okay. And now is that 800 uh, square feet? 400 square say, feet? I want to say it's about... 600 square feet okay, or whatnot but long story short is that they completely build out everything mm-hmm. kitchen bathrooms including all the fixtures everything you need mm-hmm. for forty thousand dollars mm-hmm. so them. you literally could just need to buy your furniture or whatever it is that you want to your decor right, right. that's it um it's easy to place. I mean, you put it on a, on a lot. You can you can do a basement if you want to, but most of them are on type yes, of on yeah. a slab. Yeah. Um, and it, the utilities are connected, just like any other yeah. item you would have on a house. So, um, your water is connected to the property, mm. and it's affixed to the land. Usually, mm. like I said, by a slab or some type of crawl space or something. Mm. Lights, gas, water, all of that. Um. So let's just say you're all in for $50,000 and they can be mortgaged mm-hmm. because it is officially affixed to the land. Mm-hmm. So you can mortgage a container home. Hmm. And I feel like that's just going to be like the next wave. I think that the younger people or people who just have to kind of figure out their finances in a way that, that makes them be creative, this opens up a whole new wave of having something uh, new, having something yours, having something designed the way that fits your life and functionality updates you know uh maybe solar panels you know there's a lot of different things that people are going to start thinking outside the box because the cost of building right now is just too much right oftentimes you have to even tear a house down if you can find a good place in detroit to build one and then you know there's a lot more i'm gonna object to that so rehab rehabs or rehabbing a, a house is actually more than building oh i believe it yeah, it's, it's way more. I believe it. Um, re- so at the end of the day, 
to be cost effective and and also if you're trying to use any type of financing most mm -hmm. of the time they will approve you for a new construction before they do a rehab because they just know it's going to they'll see the project from beginning to end sure for a new construction mm -hmm. um, but yes you're right i mean it's, it's a this is another option besides a mobile home yeah. that you have besides a brick and mortar besides a stick build exactly. that you have that, that's actually a i consider as a new construction a little bit easier because in this price is wrapped up all of the items that you need for mm -hmm. your home exactly all fixtures even appliances yeah so you're not uh, you're literally bringing your items plus here in the city of detroit there's a, a lot of land mm -hmm. over the last 10 yeah, plus years we have torn down several communities and there's a ton of land that's available um even if you could secure a, a lot of land, a, a residential lot for a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so from $100 to, as says to say $30,000, you can secure a, a nice piece of land or multiple pieces of land and build your home. Absolutely. But let's just say you pay a thousand dollars for a lot. Let's say somebody just owned it. Okay. You, you paid them a thousand dollars for it. And it's in a, in a, let's say, a decent part of the city. Okay. Um, let's pick something. Uh, six Mile Livernois area. It's still stuff lots over there. Okay? Yeah, sure. It's your old neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's $1,000. You spend, you have a budget of maybe 50 total. So you're $51,000 in. Mm -hmm. Building a nice, maybe double wide container home that's a fix to the land. It, I mean, you can do brick facades on it if you want to make it look like it's brick. Mm -hmm. You can do siding. You can do whatever you want to do. If it's I'm not under, mistaken, there's already one in Bagley yeah. or Fitzgerald or whatever. But anyway, oh, wait, I'm sorry. It may I've be. You yeah. have? Okay. I think so, yeah. Anyway, um, carry on. At the end of the day, for under $80,000, I mean, you're you're living well. Yeah, absolutely. Living I mean, I've well. had so many transplants lately. So if you guys are looking for options, there's there are options in Detroit. So as far as like building and then also like city requirements what do you think that you're going to come up with the city are you going to really have issues there as far as like getting the process done and taken care of or you think it's pretty Listen, straightforward Better homes usa they take care of all those within with hmm. your blueprints hmm. so for instance for fifty thousand dollars you need your group your blueprints your build out your container your shipping container hmm. and delivery so what i'm saying is that from the beginning the One city is aware yeah the i got you aware of what this is going to look like, what it entails, what is needed. Mm. Once your plans are approved, you're good to go. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like it's, that. It's a, a really, house. yeah, it's a real, <laughs> listen, it's a really simple process. And again, even some of my investors I'm introducing to this process because I'm like, hey, granted, the homes that we have are great. Yeah. But sometimes the budgets, again, you're spending 30 plus another 50 and doing 80. If you could purchase two lots and build something two of them for a hundred yeah they're new builds hey we can find you a great tenant that can pay mm. has all the certifications yeah and that can pay top dollar market yeah. rate exactly or more because yeah. now you're you can ask for market rate yeah it's rent. brand new, <laughs> it's brand new. And, and that's Never what i have to say new. about renovations is you know I've, you've done several i've done several and it's just always something else it's always mm -hmm. something more to buy it's always like oh i forgot that oh like or oh i need this or i don't like how to whatever it is whereas this is going to be kind of like you know this is my home here it is here's everything yep. you know you get your furniture and then you move right in or whatever so i just i'm actually excited about the options for people especially people who i feel like things aren't ever done for people who are in financial hardship or struggling or just have just enough. So a lot of this show is really more so about getting started, trying to get the information before, because I know a lot of people, and I know you help a lot of people, I help a lot, we're backtracking. We're trying to fix and find out all the little mistakes they made that you don't find out until you get to closing and all this other stuff right. or whatever, whereas you can start right from the beginning and have a lot more of a seamless, less difficult process 
instead of you know oh i can do it myself you know and next thing you know <laughs> you're in trouble you know and you need help and a lot of times people don't want to help you after you've gotten that deep in you know or right. whatever so you have to find then a good realtor but your time is of the essence or whatever so i definitely love it i love where you're going i like to actually maybe have shipping containers usa is that the name yeah container uh, homes usa oh container homes usa i'm sorry i'd like to have them on maybe so i have to talk to you about that a little bit later i'm gonna definitely pass along the information um this is a huge thing like i said and back to what your point was community building and affordable housing like mm-hmm. i said listen the some people's dream is to be a homeowner but their income may not, not necessarily mm-hmm. and i'm not going to use restaurant workers or anybody as an example anymore mm-hmm. money out here <laughs> <laughs> is that let's just say you make $80,000 a year, mm-hmm. okay? Really at $80,000 gross times two and a half, I'll, let's just say times two, mm-hmm. I mean, you can really, they'll pre-approve usually for a house is $160,000. Mm-hmm. But some people are like, I don't want or need a $160,000 house. Exactly. Okay, so, and then also once you get under a certain price point, under a hundred grand, it's not a lot of items. Slim pickings. It's slim yeah, pickings. It's slim pickings. And you're like, I can't find what I like in the area mm-hmm. that I like. So now that gives you a different option. It does. At the end of the day, it does. even if you're making $30,000 a year, you have, I just want people to know that they have options. Yes. Okay. You do. Besides an up, getting an apartment, besides finding, you know, buying a traditional home, you can be a homeowner mm. in mobile or container mm-hmm. or both yeah and even if it's just a start you know or whatever right. and so you can figure you it out you ain't with your mama you ain't with your daddy <laughs> you know you're not a, you know right. you like, have your own space and that's important. i swear to god eric if i would have known about this years ago when we used to get those tax refund checks from, mm-hmm. from college and stuff instead of renting an apartment i would have bought yeah. me a mobile home <laughs> like right so many different options remember um you know we went to cast there was the lot when nobody wanted it, it was a dollar right. right across the parking lot a right. dollar right behind little caesar's arena which is not right millions or whatever and so if we just would have knew we would have done different so <clears throat> if you're young and you're trying to figure it out or even if you're old or whatever there are new options you just have to kind of think outside the box and know right. where to contact Listen, baby boomers are one of the biggest markets right now only because they're retiring yeah. and they want they need their money to last long a long time exactly okay? exactly so, a lot of them are selling a big, huge, or the family homes that they have, and they're downsizing, but they don't want to go to an apartment. They oh, still want to own something. Exactly. So again, a mobile home is a great, almost not even maintenance-free, but mm-hmm. less maintenance, but it's not an apartment, but it's not a co-op. Like, listen, my mobile home, our mobile home, we pay an extra $50 a month. We get our grass cut. We get the snow removed. It's reasonable. Take, I mean, they take care of the ground. So at the end of the day, it's still affordable. It's affordable. Um, again, yeah. you don't want to maybe live in a high rise or live in an apartment or yeah. even live in a mobile home park, depending mm-hmm. upon what your your opinion is. Container homes, you can have one built. Right, exactly. It's still affordable. You exactly. can still get it. You can get it financed. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's affordable. At fifty thousand dollars, let's just say, let's just take it at eighty thousand. Let's say you're at eighty thousand dollars for thirty Very years. Very affordable, including taxes and insurance. You're still mm-hmm. at probably, let's say, on a high end, seven hundred and fifty dollars a month, including mm-hmm. taxes and insurance. And that's so hard to find these days. And I, I like to my particular word for when I'm describing the market in Detroit is it's tricky. You know, yeah. like so. You might be at a certain price point, like say for instance, university district, most of the homes, 250, 275, 300, 400, right? And then if you're looking for something at 70, 80,000, you're probably looking in a very particular neighborhood for a very particular reason. Mm-hmm. And not that the houses aren't nice and can't do what you need them to do, but oftentimes there are other factors like location, aesthetics, crime, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Whereas, so it becomes hard to find a place in the middle that you feel comfortable living in so a lot of people are forced into the suburbs especially when they don't really have time to decide you've got kids they want to go to a good school and all this other different stuff that kind of comes into it or whatever so it just kind of immediately is like well i guess we got to look otherwise or whatever otherwhere so that was another a great thing that was that i also usually bring up too which is education Mm -hmm. car insurance Mm -hmm. bills in general i mean maintenance having a larger home a brick and mortar home or just a large residential home you have a lot more costs these are yeah utilities these are 
either new builds or smaller spaces. So you're not spending as much on utilities with mobile homes and container homes. Um, you get the perks of your child being in a school district you may want them to be in. And every city has a mobile home park or two. Hmm. They have, it's required that they have at least one. Hmm. So- I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, everyone. So where, where's the one in Detroit? 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 has one, Birmingham has, everybody has one. Okay. Or it's adjacent. Mm. But most of them have at least one somewhere. You may not even notice it because uh, some sit far back. Some of them are tucked away, depending upon how it was built. Of course. Back. Yeah, you know why. <laughs> so is there one in Detroit? There's several in Detroit. Okay. Yeah. See, you yeah. live here your whole life, don't even know that. <laughs> right. I don't I didn't either. Like <laughs> gotcha. Okay, well, moving on. So what would you recommend to anyone trying to get into property management in Detroit specifically? Do you have anything that comes to mind when I ask that question? Absolutely. First of all, you have to be a licensed broker. Yeah. Okay. So the first listen. person to say that. <laughs> listen, state law is that if you do anything for anybody for a fee, you need to, if, in, in real estate, you have to have a license. You have to have, have a broker's license. So to have a property management company, you're, you are required to have a broker's license in real estate, okay? Do a lot of people do it without it? Absolutely. Are they successful at it? Absolutely. So that's what I always put is that's the number one thing. That's what protects you, right? It that's is. number one, as an investor, that's what protects you as well because you have some sort of recourse. We don't take all these continuing education hours and and designation classes and spend the money that we have in order to try to screw you over. Those that may or have or do, all right, it's an exception to every case, but majority Absolutely. of people won't. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what I really want to say is that you have to have money for this business. Okay. This is not a business where you come in thinking that you're going to make tons of money all at once. Um, you have to have money to, you have to have money. For yeah. yeah. For property management, because mm -hmm. here's the thing you have owners that you're managing for. They're trying, they're trying to get the money from wherever if tenant hasn't paid. Mm -hmm. um, and you still have to make sure that things get done. Mm -hmm. You So for instance, if there is a plumbing issue and it's running water and you have to get somebody out there immediately and have to pay them and they're not looking to get paid. When the owner later. decides <laughs> that they want to pay you or right. whatever, and the tenant wants it done like now, so that's an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. You have to have the funds to cover those things until you can get reimbursed by your owner. Exactly. So don't think, hey, I'm going to come out here and be a property manager, and I'm going to use the money that the tenant pays it to, and and give that to the owner, take my fee, and then there's nothing left over. Mm. Um, that's not a great plan. Mm, no. we're dealing with people we're dealing with homes people are living here there's always some type of expense always mm. make sure that you have reserve funds to run your company keep mm. your phone on keep your lights on keep mm. your, keep, the, keep the office bills paid as well as your personal yeah. i mean you're investing your your entire being into this business mm. second thing is this is not a part-time gig no, it's almost a 24 hour, seven day a it's week. Almost a 20, <laughs> it's actually, it is a 24 hour, seven days a week. Mm, it okay. Is. If you're going to be a property manager, um, run a property management firm, anything like that, you have no days off. No, you don't. Okay? You get moments mm. where it's just quiet. Yeah. And then those are weird because you're not used to it being quiet. And so you're like constantly like, what, what can I do? What can right. I do? Constantly like, trying know, to figure gotta... this out, you know, which, which <laughs> use the opportunity at that time mm -hmm. to kind of see if you can be proactive. We, exactly. we, we have meetings and we're trying to be proactive. Mm -hmm. um, have we checked the furnace filters in mm -hmm. all of the properties? Have, you know, winters here has the thermostats been checked. Um, just trying to be proactive. As, as much as possible going through each property and seeing if if there was something that the tenant might have mentioned months ago that we didn't really pay attention to or adhere to at that time do we need to revisit it again follow-ups all of those things so your downtime is used to follow up with tenants and make sure that this property is safe and drive-bys mm. to make sure that the house is still occupied that it's still standing yeah um so what i tell people is number one you need to have resources reserves money mm -hmm. um, 
really number one, you need to be a licensed broker. But if you're not, that's <laughs> number one for you. Um, and number two, that is a full-time business. I, I meet a lot of people who hire property managers who are unlicensed and, pri- and property managers who were licensed that um, they were doing this part-time. Yeah. Um, they did it when they had free time or when they were not, mm-hmm. their license was um, when they were not selling homes or showing homes and they're trying to do all this at the same time. Absolutely. Not gonna work. Absolutely. And that was one thing, that was a big thing when I was really doing property management, you know, 736 apartments and, you know, 288, whatever it may be. Our biggest focus was always maintenance. It's preventative maintenance. You That's know, like right. you said, furnace filters, um, doing everything to make sure that we can mitigate as many problems as possible, they're going to happen when you have 700 people. And this has changed a little bit because people used to really be at work from nine to five, nine to six. And so you would get the calls at, you know, hours that were undesirable to you. But most people are then coming home at these hours and finding issues and problems. And that's when that phone starts ringing. And so that was always hard. I even I even did maintenance for a while. And I remember my first time being on call, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> this is not for me. 3 a.m. I like to sleep. Yeah. 3 a.m. My phone's ringing. I didn't even know what I was doing. So I was just like, oh, man. OK, so I, I don't know. I did that about another month or two, but it was not for me or whatever. So Property management is a very, very, very uh, temperamental thing. It is. And it's, it's, it's just for certain people. Some certain people are really good with it. And one thing I have noticed that you have done over the time, and I'm very proud of you, by the way, because I've watched you build and build and build, but you built a team, right? So what does a good team consist of to you? And what do you recommend for anyone who's looking in to get into the industry and build a team? Like, where should they start? What who should they be calling? What should they be looking for? What do you think they need to be successful or at least start growing into being successful or scaling? Okay. So again, like you just said, maintenance is a huge thing. You have to have an awesome maintenance team. Yes. And I built an awesome maintenance team. Mm-hmm. Um, all our skilled, like first of all, the core of the house, the HVAC, the plumbing, the electrical, mm-hmm. all licensed contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all sure. licensed journeyman whatever you want to go in that field okay yes. um those things i don't play with i can't hire anybody that's not licensed number one because it's a safety issue oh, yeah. um i need somebody i need some type of recourse my owners are going to want recourse from me and i'm going to want recourse from those people oh, yeah. um a great maintenance manager mm-hmm. um, that is one of the things that i have been working on on the last years or so a couple of years or so is a, is a maintenance manager somebody to take those actual calls and spring into action. That is all they do mm-hmm. is that they will take those calls, receive those service orders, those work orders, and they're not managing the people. They're managing the technicians. They're managing the, the problems. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if you can't find a, a maintenance tech full-time and you are doing it yourself, building a great, team of contractors Mm -hmm. for at least those three things your HVAC your plumbing and your electrical Um, and then other things you know nice handyman painters people who can do miscellaneous things like that exactly a wall or you know changing out but yeah yeah I totally agree with that and so I would and you need for them to kind of work on either a net you really want a net 30 yeah you get like a net 14 or a net 7 and most people like well what is that listen they'll do the work (laughs) for you and give you net seven, seven days to pay them, yeah. or net 14, 14 days to yeah. pay them. Or if they're a larger company, they may award you a net, net 30, 30 yeah. which they'll give you 30 days from the date that the work is completed for you to pay their invoice. Exactly. If you can find people who can afford you those options, those are probably some of the best people that's gonna be on your team. And okay. I have had, I built those relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it's and sometimes all building the relationships exactly sometimes you start off paying them that day and then you make exactly say, hey, they get to they know you and eventually they trust you well enough and to they say well okay don't worry about it. work that you exactly have exactly like, okay. exactly yeah. no i totally agree with that i would say to kind of like expound on that um as far as what i've felt was really good for a team definitely again maintenance supervisor so that you could easily just contact one person and they can kind of take care of all of that and report back to you accountants things of that nature are always going to be you want to be able to like free yourself and ask people questions and get answers and then they can kind of tell you what's going on rather than you're literally inside of it the whole time trying to figure out what's going on in this world when the 
whirlwind of problems and everything like that. Right. So team is most important. If you think leasing, that's like 10, 20% of, you know, getting the, the whole thing done, right? Like if you're treating your maintenance people like shit and you don't think much of them, then you're wrong because they are everything. They are the reason yeah. that your property works, especially yeah. if you have a larger property. So customer service is also a good thing too. Oh, the maintenance people don't thing. do so well with oh. uh, <laughs> communicating. <laughs> I didn't even mention that. And you're absolutely right. Yes. Okay. Keep your and I'm going to expound on that. Customer service is key. Listen, yes. in the city of Detroit, we are working with a, a lot of different people. And you have to maintain your professionalism. Absolutely. Definitely people will take you out of your element or try to. Mm-hmm. You have to stay on your square. Yeah. And customer service, what it you have to kind of put yourself in, you know, you have to put yourself in their shoes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Everybody wants to be comfortable. Mm. Especially Uh, at home. Correct. Especially (laughs) at home. So you have to make sure that customer service is key. Mm -hmm. And I get people that call me all kinds of names and it's okay. And I tell (laughs) them, I understand your frustration and believe me, I'm working as fast as I can to get whatever it is completed. Absolutely. um, but again, you have to have a you have to have customer service. If you don't, it will lead you in court. Oh yeah, it will Absolutely. lead you to lawsuits. It will lead you everywhere. Yeah. You have to make sure that you have great customer service on both ends with owners and tenants. And, and as you demonstrated that you've done these them. things, a paper trail or whatever, so that people aren't saying, "Oh, he did it." You know, like demonstrate that you provided the best customer service that you could the whole time absolutely while figuring out the problem that that is a really good thing so all right so battery's getting low on my camera so i am (laughs) going to move ahead a little bit so a quick word from our sponsors is work or real estate getting you down are you feeling burned out or depressed Well, there's a solution you can use right from the comfort and privacy of your own home computer. Center for Establishing Recovery is Metro Detroit's leading provider for e-therapy. If you're in need of a listening ear, contact Center for for Establishing Recovery at establishingrecovery.com. Again, Center for Establishing Recovery at establishingrecovery.com. All right, Marcus. Well, it's been great. I think I have a little bit of time. We'll see how far we get. I got to hear your craziest Detroit story or your craziest Detroit real estate story. And then we'll go ahead and do our outro. Ooh, craziest. All right. So as we already know, this is crazy real estate story. Um, As we know that marijuana is is legal. Um, I'm not going to get into the legality of it. But long story short, I had um, someone, a tenant, call me. And they expressed to me very politely that some of their marijuana was missing. Now, I held the phone and they're just like, hello. And I'm like, (laughs) yes. I was like, you have to give me a moment. Now, I've been doing this for 15, 16 years, been in property management, around say about three, I'm gonna say, really. Um, I didn't even know where to go with this. It was mm. the craziest. First of all, I never had anybody the audacity to call me and tell me that their marijuana the had tree been, was gone. Yeah, gone or stolen. <laughs> the first part of me wanted to say, okay, forgive me. Did you smoke it and don't remember? I mean, it happened. <laughs> the long story short is that I had to take it serious and I had to figure it out. But mm. it was crazy because, again, I never had anybody call me about this. Okay. So, I told the the tenant, I said, let me call you back because I need to do some research. So I called my insurance agent. I called um, other brokers that I know of, like Mm. that are in property management or have been like, hey, Mm -hmm. how do I deal with this situation? And they're just like, I can't tell you. I mean, it was the crazy. And it took me about two days really to (laughs) kind of piece together what should be done. So this particular tenant didn't have a um, a marijuana card, so it was it was legal. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know something they, I don't know if they bought off the street or not, but they had a card, so they could possess mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was confirmed that it was stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it was a contractor that put their sticky hands on it. Mm-hmm. So I had to call the tenant back in. First of all, I had to ask them. I said, "Well, um, just like anything of value, when we're when work is being conducted at the property." Make sure that all your valuables are put up. And of course, you know, the response was, I don't feel like I should have to do that. This is my house. And I agree with you. But just like 
even if it is your space, you should be able to do that. Sure. I think I lost it. No, um, I, it's fine. You can still, as okay. long as you can still hear me, we'll go ahead and finish. But the, the but at the end of that, we'll make it quick. The solution was that the tenant had to file a police report. Um, really? Because <laughs> it was stolen property. Yeah. Um, and once the police report has been filed, then that's when we can take action okay. in order to do an invest, you know, have an investigation done and et cetera. And, and, and I'm still trying to figure out how I would be able to file that as a claim on the insurance. That's hard. Um, it is hard mm-hmm. because it wasn't necessarily anything you kind of get as far as mm-hmm. a model number, make model and things. Yeah, of that nature. No. Sure. Um, the solution was, was that, but unfortunately the tenant did not follow through with filing the police report on it. Um, but that's what had to be done was that a police report had to be filed Mm. Um, it is a value. So mm. we had to put an approximate value mm. and then it would have to go from there for us to actually really kind of take it, uh, extremely serious. It was already a serious offense because it was theft, but at the end of the day, we had to have a police report, but that was my craziest thing. And I tell that all You're the crazy. time. I never, <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who had the audacity to call me or call and say, Hey, X amount of grams of my weed has been taken. So yeah, that's mm. my craziest one. Like, that's an interesting one. I it love hearing was, the stories because everybody's crazy. got one at least, you know, if not 12. <laughs> that, that, that was it. I mean, I was literally on the phone quiet, like, where do I go from here? Like, I don't know what to do with this one, buddy. Right. I didn't. I, and you have to be careful. Again, it's about customer service. Exactly. You can't say, well, did you smoke it? Well, yeah, did exactly. you lose it? Are exactly. you sure? Because you was probably high. You know, like, that's not customer service. That could have went. Right. I thought really it bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, you have to maintain customer service and, and decorum and poise and, and really, again, put yourself in that person's shoes. And, you know, that is money that they paid out for it. So um, it does have a value. But yeah, you just kind of got to compose yourself before the words come spilling out of your mouth. Cause- oh, man. Oh, tell me about it. I've gotten really good at that, actually. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's why I take a pause. I'll be like, okay, pause. And right. go forth. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast, where we discuss business, real estate, lifestyle, and travel. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage. 16 years in the industry, experience in multiple full-scale renovation, high-end luxury property management, customer service relations, new construction, and previous director of 55 West Canfield Laws. 2016 certified apartment manager and Airbnb super host. I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights for Detroit from not just one, but as many professionals that I could find. Marcus, any last words, any featured listings or any information you'd like to put out there for everyone? Um, At the time I do host, my team and I host a Detroit real estate weekend. It will be July the 28th, 2022 to July the 31st, 2022. Um, The the event is called Detroit Real Estate Weekend, and it is on Eventbrite, and tickets will be available. It's an entire weekend where we do a tour of Detroit, um, and we also host a gala and a mastermind for those who are interested in knowing more about and investing in the city of Detroit. Awesome. It's actually our third annual, I'm sorry, it'll be our fourth annual real Detroit Real Estate Tour that we do every year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely make sure you send me all the links and everything like that. And I'll make sure to post it on my website under your episode. Okay. All right. Well, pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. And Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. appreciate you. Have a good day. Brick and Mortar Detroit podcasts and newsletters reflect the opinions of only the authors who are associated guests of podcasts and do not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. They are for informational purposes only and are not a recommendation of an investment strategy or to buy or sell any home, security, or asset in any market. They are also not research reports and are not intended to serve as the basis for any investment decision. Any third-party information provided therein does not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of their subsidiaries or affiliates. All investments involve risk, including the loss of money, principal, and past market performance does not guarantee future results. We always recommend you enlist a professional entity for any investment decision you may be considering.